VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to the Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I am the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at the Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at thebirdrights.com. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bird Calls Podcast. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we are previewing Monday night's matchup with the Oklahoma City Thunder with Brett Dawson of the Oklahoma. And thanks for joining us, Brett. Hey, thanks for having me. No, man, it's a thrill. Uh, obviously, for most of you who do not know, before Brett became a full-time beat writer for the Thunder, he was actually a Pelicans writer for the Advocate, so many of you will probably recognize his name. Brett, do you do you miss Louisiana any any after your first year? And I guess you would call it the Midwest in Oklahoma. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell and Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary. Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Uh, boy, that's a that's a hot topic, whether it's the Midwest. Most people consider it, many people here consider it the Southwest. So it's a whole big thing. I got into a big Twitter discussion uh, about that. But uh, I miss New Orleans. I, I miss the city a lot. I, I love the people there. Um, you know, a lot of people, I, I met a couple of people there who told me New Orleans is not for everybody, but it was for me. It was just a, a place that I loved living. And, um, you know, I just, I love the vibe. I love everything about New Orleans. I don't miss the weather that much, but other than that, because um, I like seasons and we sort of get those in Oklahoma, not as much as I would like, but, but I, I do, I miss the city. I miss the people and the kind of amazing weirdness of it all. And you can follow Brett at Brett Dawson, or sorry, at B Dawson writes. And uh, just for your information, prior to covering the NBA, uh, he spent his career covering college basketball, including stops at the, uh, I'm going to try the Champagne News Gazette and uh, and Louisville, Kentucky, the Courier Journal and Rivals.com slash Yahoo Sports. He is also accredited author of Tales from the 2004-05 Fighting Illini, a book about Illinois basketball team's most uh, recent Final Four season. And finally, if you guys like podcasts, and you better because you're listening to this one, check out his podcast, Thunder Buddies, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I think that's a – is that a, a Ted reference? It is, yeah. It, it's uh, That predates me, but yes. 
the okay. uh, the song the song used to be in the podcast. I don't think it's actually there anymore. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I didn't see the second one, but I did uh, laugh a lot at the first, especially the the, the flash montage interactions uh, got me. But uh, before before we forget, we're also joined by editor in chief to thebirdrice.com, the recently unionized Ali Cosell. Are you ready to join the union, Ali? I guess you know they twisted my arm. I guess we got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being with us, man. Uh, Let's swing it over to Brett. You've been in Oklahoma City for a little over a year now. Uh, you almost played host to the Kevin Durant departure. You got there a little bit after. And then you went through the triple-double phenomenon and the, the Westbrook MVP race. The uh, the possible, he's got to be a candidate, executive of the year, and Sam Presti after bringing in town two superstars in exchange for Victor Oladipo, uh, Sabonis Cantor, and Doug McDermott. You've got... You got fans waiting outside your airport for star players like Carmelo Anthony. I think there were something like 300 people outside the Will Rogers Airport. And on top of that, you get quotes on a daily basis like, I got him 37 for his birthday. And uh, hey, Paul, they say I got to come off the bench. Uh, on the Washington Post, uh, you recently said this was a podcast on the Washington Post. I've learned in a year covering Sam Presti is that you don't see these kind of things coming. What is it like right now to cover the Oklahoma City Thunder? Well, uh, that's a that's a that's a big question. It's a, it's there's there's a large answer there. Um, they're a they're a challenging franchise to cover. They can be a really entertaining franchise to cover. Um, you know, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony are two of the best guys I've ever dealt with from a media standpoint. Just easy guys to deal with. Stephen Adams obviously is a really entertaining guy. They have a lot of really fun guys to be around and just you know professional guys to talk to. Westbrook is obviously a challenge to cover. Uh, I think everybody knows that. Everybody's seen the clips. Um, you know, those are all over the place. And that's that's day-to-day with Westbrook. He has his good days and bad days, but they're going to be challenges. But they're also a pretty buttoned-down franchise. I mean, we all joked this year that everybody got a glimpse at our lives when they drafted um, <laughs> Terrence Ferguson uh, this year because, you know, all night long, Woj and everybody else is a couple of draft picks ahead, at least one pick ahead. And then for like 16 minutes, there's no reporting on the next draft pick. And that's when the Thunder was on. The clock, you had, you had a gap between the time they had reported the, the pick before the Thunders, and they, there was almost a period where they were reporting. They just barely, uh, the Thunder made a pick. They just barely, a couple of guys reported that before the Thunder made the pick, and then immediately they reported who the next pick would be. So it's just, a, it's hard to get a lot of information. Uh, you know, it's a very kind of uh, uh, battened down kind of franchise. But, um, you know, there is such passion for it here. The fans love it so much. You mentioned the the people who show up at the airport, uh, you know, the building is full. I, I remember a game last year, they were playing a, a really uh, nondescript, not very good Charlotte team on a Sunday afternoon, kind of late in the year. And you walk in there at, at two o'clock and the place is just packed to the rafters. And, you know, it is, it, we're in college football country in the same way that, uh, that Louisiana is, but there's no NFL team here and there's no team in Oklahoma city. I mean, Oklahoma OU is close. Uh, Oklahoma state's a little further away. But the Thunder are the city's team. It's the thing that unites everybody, uh, OU fans and OSU fans. Uh, and it's there is an incredible passion for it. And that makes it fun. I mean, everything you read, everything you write is getting read. Uh, everything you say is getting listened to. And, and that's, you know, as somebody who covers the team, that's what you really want. Yeah, right, now. Real quick, I'm curious. Um, when New Orleans went over there after Hurricane Katrina struck, I know I'm pretty sure you, you're aware of how um, popular New Orleans team became to the residents over there in Oklahoma City. They almost adopted them, and there was a lot of talk that maybe they were trying to steal them away from New Orleans. 
Um, what is exactly the population there? Why do they why do they come out in droves to support a team? Because I've been in other cities where they've just had one major league professional sport, but yet they, they don't do well. Is it because the team has always you know been kind of a proven winner, or I mean, what have you seen in your couple years there? For you know, why, why did they get that support? Well, a couple things. One, they really haven't had a bad year. Um, the first year they weren't very good, but there was a point in the first year after which they sort of became, uh, you know, like they, they, they were like a 500 team basically for the second half of the year. After about New Year's Eve, um, they were right. They hovered around 500. They had started really badly. I think they were three and 29 or something like that. Um, you know, it's funny. People talk about this a lot, but they, they were three and 29 or three and 28 or whatever it was on New Year's Eve. And, you know, nobody knew what was going to happen. It's a, it's a new, they had, a, they played a new year's Eve game at, uh, I think six o'clock. Um, and the, you know, the people who I've talked to a bunch of people who work here, who've worked with the organization since it came here that first season and people came into the building and it was packed. It was full again for a, for a three and 28 or three and 29 team, a three win team on new year's Eve. And the building was just packed with people. Um, you know, there is a culture here of coming. It's what you do. It's, I think there is such a college football culture here that, you know, at Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, fans show up, and so that's what they do here. Um, and they were rewarded so quickly. I mean, that that team was bad at the start, and they were really supportive of that bad team because it was a new thing, and they were excited by it. But they so quickly got good, and I think that's the thing. They really haven't had they 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 missed the playoffs. You know, the year that the Pelicans made the playoffs on the last day of the season, the the Thunder was uh, out. Um, because of 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 the Pelicans getting in, uh, but that season Kevin Durant missed a lot of time. They had Russell Westbrook out some. They, it was you know it's um, a season where they were just ravaged by injury. And other than that, they've really been not only getting in the playoffs, but they've been a kind of a contender at least to make the Western Conference Finals. Um, and so they haven't had to deal with kind of rebuilding years. Um, I, I think that's a big part of it, and I do think it's just part of the thing of Oklahoma too that. For a long time, Oklahoma City was viewed as a very minor league city. You know, they didn't have a pro franchise. They fought really hard to get one. Um, you know, they're, they're, the obvious um, misfortune is, is too light a word to use for what happened to New Orleans uh, and its basketball team. Obviously, what happened to the city was a, a tragedy uh, with Katrina. But they, they were fortunate in Oklahoma City to have an arena that was ready, that had those dates open. And they were able to step in and assist and get that team um, and there was a sense of belonging for the first time and a sense of feeling like it was a big league city and they wanted to maintain that and fought really hard to get the NBA. And I think the team represents that to a lot of people. It represents the city has grown so much since the Thunder came here. And I, I hadn't really spent any time here before that, but just getting to know people here and getting to know the city, uh, it's changed so much. It's, it's, a, it's a much more uh, vibrant place. It's a much more uh, dynamic kind of city. Um, and still not one, of the, you know, not one of the cities you think of in the NBA as particularly vibrant, but compared to what it was when the Thunder came, I think there's been a lot of change. And so I think people just feel uh, a connection to the team in that way. And so that combined with the fact that they've been good, I, I think people don't want to be the fan base that doesn't show up. It's very important to them. You are listening to the Bird Rides on Nothing But Net Network here on The Dash. We're talking to Brett Dawson. I, I feel like, I mean, you would know this better than me, but I feel like another reason that Oklahoma City is such a popular sports town is because they do play such an entertaining style of basketball. I remember, um, I think it was two years ago now, it was in Kevin Durant's last season when he and Russell Westbrook combined for 90 points. There were multiple buzzer beaters. Uh, it went into second OT, and I just... 
I just felt like I had never seen a regular season game like it. The atmosphere, uh, how exciting the style of play. Russell Westbrook had a half-court shot to send it into the first overtime. And a lot of that is is Russell Westbrook, the thunderous dunks, the, like, tearing at his chest, the screaming. Like, regardless of what his personality is on or off the court, like, we could definitely talk about, like, some of the outfits, the the shots at Kevin Durant with the photographer thing, the, uh, the signing the five-year designated player extension on his birthday. But... But so much of it, I feel like, is this this essence of of Russell Westbrook. How much do you think that fandom is tied to just having a team? And how much do you think it is just, like, tied to his personality? Well, I, you know, it's funny because for so long it was the two of them. It was Durant and Westbrook. And now it's become about Westbrook in part, I mean, in large part because Durant left, obviously. Um, people identify with Westbrook as the guy who stayed because there is this sense of, you know, Oklahomans uh, – view themselves as loyal people um i think they they identify with that part of westbrook now it's revisionist to say westbrook was always their favorite of those two guys he wasn't obviously that has changed so dramatically since durant left but i do think that because he stayed there is this connection to him on this level that that people feel you know i i think people here do view themselves as loyal people as people who whose word has value and, and that's not to say kevin durant's doesn't i'm talking about the way they view the world um, and so I, I think there is some connection to that, but it, it certainly helps that they had two of the biggest stars in the world um, playing in a city that doesn't attract that kind of, of talent, uh, you know, on paper. It, they were guys that they drafted and guys that they had here. And I think just the fact that Durant and Westbrook were so dynamic together, um, that's obviously helped the brand grow. Um, you know, there are people here who talk about you travel overseas and you wear those Oklahoma, you, you wear a, a shirt that says Oklahoma. And they may not understand what Oklahoma football is, but they know who Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook are. They're just global figures. Um, and so yeah, that, that certainly has had something to do with the growth of the, of the team and the franchise. There's no question. Um, you know, success is, is a huge part of it. Who knows what New Orleans basketball would look like if it had been a consistent winner? Um, you know, it hasn't. And so you have a team there that doesn't get that same kind of support, doesn't get anything near that same kind of support. Um, but who's to say what would have happened if, if they had had two guys of this caliber for a long period of time? Yeah, uh, well, that's, that's interesting. Go ahead, Ali. Yeah, Brett, that's, that's, that's a great point. I'm glad you mentioned the loyalty towards Russell Westbrook because I want to ask you, how have fans and have they at all changed on how they feel about Carmelo Anthony and Paul George? Because as we all know, everybody thought it's just going to be temporary situations for the both of them. Um, have you noticed there may be some kind of chance that either player will stay and have the fans you know, reacted more positively as to where they don't care one way or the other. They're going to go and give them their undying support, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how people feel about what will happen with those guys. Um, you know, and, and I don't put much stock into anything anybody says. Paul George says all the right things, but that's been uh, who he is over the course of his career. He's a guy who is going to say the right stuff. Um, and so I don't, I don't think there's much meaning to be drawn from anything either guy says at this point. And Carmelo really doesn't talk about it. Uh, I think most people view Carmelo as the much more likely guy to resign here, or not resign. But opt-in, he's got a $28 million option, and he's not going to make that kind of money on the open market. Now, maybe he would opt out and go sign for more years somewhere else, but the, the, the size of that number indicates you know, at least some possibility that he would want to opt-in and spend another year here if this experiment goes okay. And obviously, it's not going great to start out with. So that's, that's a factor as well. Um, look, people here are going to take to those guys, and they're going to support those guys and cheer for them and try to be as hospitable as they can and make it a situation that they want to stay in. And that's because they want those great players to stick around and because that's how they are. I mean, you know, other than Durant, who gets mercilessly booed when he comes back, he's only played one game here. But 
uh, probably will get booed again when he comes back this week. Um, you know, other than that, you know, the, the support here, it's incredible. The ovations that they give here for Serge Ibaka and Scott Brooks and certainly Ennis Cantor when he came back in the season opener. Um, people love Thunder players here. They, they adopt them. They feel very connected to them. And so for, for however long those guys are here, they will be supported by these fans. All right, you're listening to the Bird Rides on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio with Brett Dawson again. Uh, you mentioned the Pelicans and Thunder being such similar situations, not just uh, standings, but, you know, small towns with a big national spotlight on them with free agency looming over Paul George and over DeMarcus Cousins. Of course, you got one more year for Melo. You've got two or three more years for Anthony Davis. And, and just the challenge of appeasing uh, these players, you're seven and eight after a loss to the Spurs in which the Thunder led by as many as 23, in addition to double digit comeback uh, victories by the Celtics, the Knicks and the Nuggets against you guys. And uh, Billy Donovan said that the loss to the Spurs, however, felt different than those ones. I don't know if it was the magnitude of the, of the size of the 23 points or if it was the Carmelo foot on the line. But we're about 20% through the 2017-18 season. We're, we're asking ourselves these questions about the Pelicans. Now, what are your expectations for the Thunder at this point? Well, I, I think they'll get much better. I mean, I, I do think the one thing, you know, the, the Spurs game was a little bit of an exception last night in that the second and third quarters, they really broke down defensively. They've had some struggles in the fourth quarter in, in kind of close situations defensively, but they have a pretty good defense. Um, it is something that they can kind of rely on as they try to figure some things out offensively. And ultimately, they have three really good offensive players who are being asked to play very differently than they have, and that's been a struggle. It's been a, a thing that they've kind of had to work through and are continuing to work through, and it has not been easy, and it has looked ugly. Um, but they are three really gifted offensive players, and I think ultimately they will come much closer to uh, sort of the peak version of themselves together. Now, what that looks like and how long that takes and what that reflects record-wise, I don't know. Uh, but I would expect them at some point to 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 kind of reel off a string of wins. Uh, I think they'll start to figure it out. I think, you know, um, I, I, I ultimately, uh, you'd rather be building leads and not holding on to them than ha not being able to build them at all. And so what you've seen is real glimpses of what this team can look like when the ball moves, when guys play the roles that they are, uh, I think, best suited to play. Um, and they don't do that all the time. And And I think what happens is you've got three players who – particularly two players in Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony who have had the ball uh, when the game is on the line and they've been asked to do things themselves. Uh, and so I think you see a team that really uh, tries to involve everybody in all the right ways early. And sometimes that looks great. It did against Boston early. Uh, it did against the Spurs early. Uh, and then, the, you know, sort of a, a little bit of adversity hits. And when that happens, I think guys tend to fall into old habits. Uh, and that's what they're trying to get over. That's the hump they're trying to fight through. Uh, I think if you look at it, though, you, you can see there's a real clear line. This is what it looks like when the ball moves. This is what it looks like when the ball sticks. You're not going to get isolation out of this offense. They have three elite isolation players. You want them uh, in one-on-one -on -one situations. But you want to create those situations with ball movement. If Carmelo Anthony gets in a situation where a smaller guy's on him at the free throw line, you want him to survey that and score. But you don't want him to hold the ball too long. And if there's a better shot somewhere else, you want the ball to move. And all that is just a, a feeling out process. It's, a, it's a, a matter of chemistry. Westbrook hates that word. He doesn't like it when any question about chemistry comes up. But they are still figuring each other out. They are still figuring out exactly what to give up in their games. And that's taking a while, and it may take a while. That's not surprising. 
Um, you know, they've had some, uh, the surprising thing is the blown leads. They have lost five games um, where they had a double digit lead at some point, typically in the first half, uh, Boston, uh, Minnesota, I think was one of them, Sacramento, uh, the San Antonio game. Uh, they, they've struggled in that regard, Denver. Uh, so that's been a problem for them, but they are getting out to those leads. I think uh, if they can just get themselves a little bit more consistent, if they can see the things that are working and stick with those things, when the game gets a little tough, you'll see them make a turnaround. Yeah, Brett, I caught both of those Minnesota Timberwolves hard luck losses. And um, you, you described the situation perfectly. That's what I saw with my own eyes. They just tended to kind of seize up, and the offense lost all of its flow. And, uh, you know, when you look at the Thunder's number in the past, you think of the Thunder, and, and you think of, like, as Preston mentioned earlier on the show, fast, exciting, entertaining. But it's kind of interesting to note that they're, like, in the bottom third in offensive efficiency um, shooting. They don't get to the line as much, and I do want to talk about that some more. And lastly, the pace. Um, Billy Donovan, it, does he really truly want this team to play faster? And you, and it, by what you've said, it seems like that should come about once this team does get more comfortable with one another and they, they find their spots within the offense. So do you expect them to get back to, like, the playing, you know, kind of what we saw with Durant when he was there with Russell Westbrook, you know, kind of playing in hyperdrive, attacking consistently and such? Or do you think that with um, Melo and George, this should be a different team? Um, can you give your take on that? What can we expect from the Thunder? Like, from you know, once they start getting comfortable, will they start resembling past teams, or is this going to be entirely different identity? I think it'll be a little different. I don't think any team with Carmelo is going to play at a super high pace, most likely. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're built to be quite as fast uh, as they as as maybe some of those teams. And I, I honestly, I will tell you, I don't have pace numbers in front of me. I don't know where they are right now exactly, and I don't know what they did in those years. When I wasn't here covering them, I couldn't tell you like where even a ballpark where they landed in pace because I know a lot of times you think a high scoring team is high paced and that's not always necessarily the case. I think they were more efficient. Um, I, I think the one thing for them is that it's it's the thing they've got to change, I think. And it's a change, not just from where they are right now, but where they've been. Uh, I think they were last in the league in passes per game last year and they're last right now. The last I checked a couple of days ago, uh, they were last in passes per game. And they're not going to be whipping the ball around. You know, they, they have guys who are going to ha- be in isolation situations. They're not going to move the ball like some teams do. But when they are at their best, they do move the ball more. Uh, I think the thing, the main thing for me, it's not really about pace. It's not really about – I think shooting percentage will come. Um, you know, I think effective field goal percentage, things like that will come. To me, the bottom line of, is it, of it is they have three guys who are really good offensive players who are not making the game easier for one another yet. And that's the whole goal. It, the, the whole thing has got to be, ha, you know, th- these guys can play with each other. This is, you know, I, I talked to Mike Shashevsky. I'll name drop real quick about Carmelo Anthony and sort of the Olympic mellow concept in the, in the preseason. And one of the things he stressed to me was playing with great players is one thing. Playing off great players is something else. And Carmelo in the Olympics was great at playing off other guys. If you look at the, the field goal percentage, if you look particularly at the shot attempts, Carmelo and Westbrook and PG are real close together. They're bunched up in terms of shot attempts. And some people would say that's an indication that they're sharing the ball, but that's not it. They're sharing shots. That's not the same thing. They've got to figure out when a defense moves a certain way to Carmelo Anthony, where, where is his pass and where is the next pass? And what do you do to get the easiest shot for either Paul George or Russell Westbrook? And they're not there yet. That is the whole thing with them is figuring out how to make that work. 
And how cool is that? Just having a casual conversation with possibly the best college coach ever. Uh, uh, just for our listeners, the Thunder are second in the NBA in defense right now. They're first in the paint. They only give up 38 points a game in the paint and 97 and a half points per game on offense. They're 22nd at uh, 102.9. Let's talk some injuries. Uh, Steven Adams came back, I think, from a three-game absence on Friday night with uh, some sort of calf injury, you'll know. And Melo has missed some time with a sore back. Patrick Patterson, of course, has been uh, struggling a bit this year as he recovers from his arthroscopic surgery that kept him out of training camp. What is the condition of your guys health-wise? And should we expect to see everyone at full strength on Monday night? Yeah, I think everybody will be good to go. Um, Steven Adams looked fine. Uh, I think probably could have played a game earlier than he did based on what we saw of him in shoot around, but they were playing Chicago who they had beaten by 31 or 32 earlier in the season. Um, there was not really much need to rush him back uh, knowing what was coming, knowing San Antonio and new Orleans were, were coming up on the schedule, really no reason to rush him back against Chicago. And they, they did win that game, not as comfortably as the first one, but they, they led 27, seven after the first quarter. So they were pretty good to go against Chicago without Steven Adams. But he's fine. Uh, the Carmelo back injury thing, it, it was an isolated thing, uh, as, as he told us uh, a couple days ago, um, just to play against the Clippers uh, a week ago on Friday, um, just, just coming across the lane and kind of got grabbed and twisted in a way, and, and that gave him some problems. But uh, it, it had been a thing, I think, um, my, the indication I got was that it had bothered him a little bit, but the, the Clippers thing kind of exacerbated it. Uh, he seems fine. He was, he was moving around fine. Uh, against the Spurs uh, and really against the Bulls. And, and I think he's good to go. Uh, you know, Patterson is, is not yet himself, but it's not, you know, I talked to him at length last week. I can't remember the day, but we sat down after practice and talked for quite a while. I've known, I've known Pat for a lot of years uh, going back to his days at Kentucky. Um, and he's, he, his, his knee doesn't hurt. He doesn't have pain, um, but his body's not where he wants it to be yet. And he's not where he wants to be mentally. And he's not where he wants to be in terms of conditioning. So he is not, I think, the player he will ultimately be for them. He did some things against San Antonio. He shot the ball well. He made two threes. Uh, I think he has only two three-point attempts. So he's not uh, really where he wants to be in terms of fitting in and all that stuff. Uh, that, that, that is, uh, you know, as he said, it just sucks to miss training camp. And, and it's hard to do uh, when you're a new guy to not be there for training camp. There's a huge difference between guys who – who participate in it and guys who don't. I look at Jeremy Grant this year, who's playing really well off the bench, and there's a dramatic difference. He didn't get to have training camp with these guys last year because he was traded after it, uh, and there's a big difference in just how he looks in terms of his confidence and his comfort with these guys. So that hurt Patterson, but everybody will play, uh, barring some kind of change in the next uh, few uh, one day, I guess. Well, let's look ahead a little bit to this Pelicans matchup that's coming up. Uh, a lot of teams have struggled with trying to contain and cover both Marcus Cousins and Anthony Davis when they're on the floor. Obviously, Stephen Adams is likely going to be matched up against you. Would think Demarcus Cousins. Uh, who do you foresee getting the call against Anthony Davis? Because I was just looking at stats from last year, and he really tore apart the Thunder. Um, out of the two of the three games, I'm going to eliminate one of them because he left the game early due to injury. But I think he blew up for 38 points in one game and 34 in the other. What's the plan you think for uh, Billy Donovan to slow AD down? Well, one thing about them, uh, they switch everything pretty much. So, you know, who, who, who guards Anthony Davis isn't necessarily who will be contesting every time Anthony Davis shoots or, or uh, guarding him every time he has the ball because they switch a ton. Uh, they absolutely will switch one through four. And when they go small, they'll switch one through five. So um, it's a lot of switching, uh, a lot of communication stuff they have to try to keep up with. They have some problems with that from time to time. They get into some situations where they do have those one-on-five switches. They get the, you know, Stephen Adams has been out kind of on an island against Kyrie Irving in a, in a critical moment. 
Uh, last night, they kind of uh, they lost the shooter and, and then didn't get a rebound late in the game. Uh, so they, they, there are some communication issues, and Adams has talked about those at length. But, um, you know, they'll start out probably. Carmelo will be on him, but, you know, they'll do a lot of different things. Um, Andre Robertson will have some time dealing with him. He's done that a little bit in the past. Uh, when they bring in Jeremy Grant, he'll kind of be the primary guy when he's in the game. And, and Grant is a really nice defender, a really versatile guy. Uh, Davis has hurt them in the past. Uh, they, 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 you know, if I'm remembering right, fairly comfortably won the Pelicans games last year, um, re- regardless of those numbers. And so they've, they've done a pretty good job with the other guys. Um, it's going to be interesting to see them really play a, a regular season game. They obviously played in the preseason against these guys, but, but just a, a Davis and, and Cousins combination and, uh, just to see, because the Thunder hasn't played anything like that. Nobody in the NBA really has anything like that. So we haven't seen anything like that from them yet. But uh, the way they switch, uh, it means that these individual defenders, uh, some of those matchups are shifting throughout uh, not only games, but quarters and possessions. Man, obviously, Anthony Davis has the size, but I would sure love to see a late game situation like a mano and mano, Paul George and Anthony Davis, uh, just because I, I love those two players so much. Oh, and- yeah, PG will guard him some too. He he has uh, in the past. He's done it in Indiana as well. Um, that's one that he he's talked about that he gets that matchup sometimes, and and he's uh, he's comfortable with it. Now you are listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Again, we're talking to Brett Dawson. Uh, let's talk a bit about your subs uh, because well, we have the advantage of seeing a lot of them because we've watched a lot of the Thunder in the playoffs in recent years. Uh, we haven't seen too much of Alex Abrinas and Jeremy Grant uh, last year because I think it was just a, a first round exit against the Houston Rockets. And you guys have added Ray Felton, and he's been shooting really well from three. And a guy that people might not know, but I watched a little bit of him on League Pass the other night. I think it was against the Clippers, Zakari Johnson. Can you just tell us a little bit about some of your super subs and what we can expect from them on Monday? Well, Pelicans fans ought to remember Alex Abrinas because his breakout game was in New Orleans. Uh, His first really great NBA game, he had 18 points in New Orleans last year in a win. Um, He's been up and down a little bit with the shooting. He's a terrific shooter. Uh, he is a guy they will play some with the starters. They'll put him in some lineups where the other uh, they'll put him in for Andre Robertson to play along with Westbrook uh, and Carmelo and Paul George and Steven Adams. That's a really good offensive lineup because it creates a lot of space and, and uh, it creates some looks for him. He shot the ball. Okay. But if you give him open looks, you're kind of you know, flirting with disaster. He's a really, really good shooter. Um, Patterson I mentioned is a, is a good versatile guy for them. Does a lot of different things. Grant has been probably their best sub. Um, just in terms of all the different things he can do. Uh, he is a great guy if you're going to switch a lot on defense because he's so comfortable with it. He's so versatile. He can guard such a wide range of guys. He can make an open three. He's not shooting a, uh, at the same percentage he did last year, but he can make that shot. He's an incredibly uh, good finisher. He's a great dunker, one of the better dunkers in the league. So he's been a guy who's been terrific for them. And Felton has has quietly been one of their biggest additions because one of their big problems last year was the fact that they just fell off the table offensively when Westbrook was off the floor. They were trying to play uh, Samaje Christian, a rookie at point guard who's no longer with the team. Uh, they, they Cameron Payne, before they traded him, was never really healthy and never found a rhythm and has struggled in the same situation in Chicago. They just really didn't have a viable backup point guard, and it, it was a huge problem last year. So Felton, Felton is, is shooting at an unsustainable level. He can't shoot this way all year. Um, but his play has been terrific. He's running pick and rolls very well. He's getting into the lane. He's making shots. Uh, that, that's been a really, really valuable piece for them. Brett, I, I wanted to talk about the free throw situation. I had mentioned I wanted to talk about, um, and specifically in terms of Russell Westbrook. 
have you noticed something different about possibly the referees either calling games differently than they have in the past, or is this just all in Russell's mind? Can you explain honestly why he's not getting the line as much? Because it's kind of odd to see that this guy used to get, you know, to the line almost as good of a clip as Harden. And this year, like I said, the Thunder, I think, rank in the bottom third and getting to the line. So is there anything behind this, or do you just simply think that, you know, it, it's just too many losses have piled up for the Thunder, so it's almost like an excuse thus far? No, I think, well, there's a couple of things. One, if you look at the numbers, they're up recently. They've gotten a couple, they've had a couple of games where they got to the line a lot. Um, and so those numbers, while their average might still be down, it's trending in the direction they want it to. Uh, so that's been a little bit better. Uh, they still want to get to the line more, and they particularly want Westbrook and Paul George at the line more because Westbrook, while he got off to a terrible start, is is getting back to where he is. I mean, he has a body of work in the NBA that says he's an 83% free throw shooter, and he'll probably end up somewhere around there after starting out about 56% through about uh, the first 10 or 11 games. He's he's getting back on track. Uh, I, I think some of that is – some of it is just what it is. If that, that stuff balances out, and maybe they've had a couple calls that didn't go their way here and there, and they've complained about those things, and they, they particularly were upset after that Portland game where everybody got fined. Uh, that was more about a feeling that, you know, they weren't going to the, the tape to review some plays that uh, where Westbrook was sort of the victim of getting hit, uh, despite the fact that they reviewed, the, the officials reviewed some plays where he dished out a hit or Carmelo Anthony dished out a hit at the, at the, uh, at the rim uh, on Nurkic in Portland. So there was just a, a feeling, and the, really the reason they got fined was uh, sort of a um, – you know, the, the hinting at double standards that they weren't being defended in the same way or weren't being called in the same ways as other people in the league is pretty much always going to find you when you say something like that. I don't think it's been a huge thing. Um, you know, I, there's some calls here and there where I feel like Westbrook probably isn't getting the benefit of the doubt for whatever reason. Um, but I also think some of this is, is a little bit of a, a, a lack of aggression on their part as they figure each other out. I think that there's, they've been, they've played more, he certainly Westbrook as he's tried to figure out the other guys and figure out, you know, sort of pick his spots. And when am I trying to get the other guys involved? This goes back to what I said about how they, they aren't really playing in a way that helps each other. They're playing in a way where they're sort of obsessed about making sure everything's even as opposed to making sure the ball moves around and finds the best shot. So I, I think that sort of probing and figuring out of these other guys has taken, it's made him a little bit more tentative. It's taken a little bit of his edge off. Um, he's, he's had bursts where he plays like his old self. Uh, and he gets to the line when he does that. And they want him doing that. They want to strike a balance. Again, this is some of the stuff they're struggling with offensively. When does he do that stuff? When do they move the ball and try to find uh, the open guy? So all, all that stuff is, is I think it's all interconnected. All these sort of uh, issues that they have offensively, uh, including the free throws, are all kind of tied to the same issues. Brad Dawson, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this guy is as entertaining and knowledgeable uh, as he is on the air. He is equally as such off. Just a nice guy, very considerate with his time. And uh, we really appreciate it. Of course, you can follow his work at The Oklahoman on his podcast, Thunder Buddies, and more directly at B. Dawson Rice. But before we let you go, and Ali, uh, please, uh, after, after we get this prediction from Brett, we want you to chime in and tell us what you think is going to happen. We'll have this go both ways. Brett, uh, predict uh, an ending to the game on Monday night, which will be in New Orleans in the Smoothie King Center. And also after your prediction uh, as to what's going to happen, are you actually going to be there? Okay, so uh, you guys are going to have to help me out because I don't know what Anthony Davis's status is. I know he was maybe concussed last night. He was definitely, yeah, he was. And it's unsure yet they're going to do more testing uh, tomorrow. Okay, so 
Uh, if Anth- Look, I think the Thunder is due to win a game, and I think that this is a team that has a great deal of confidence for whatever reason against the Pelicans. One part of that is that Westbrook last year seemed to feel very confident regardless of who was on him. Um, and so I think they're going to win the game. I think it'll be, a, you know, I don't think that they're good enough right now to run away from anybody because they tend to lose leads when they get them. I think they're going to go there and win. They, 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 at some point, this team is going to come together on the road and win a big road game. That seems like as good a place as any. So uh, I think it'll be a pretty close game. I think they're going to win. And if Davis doesn't play, I wouldn't be totally shocked if that was a comfortable win. And yes, yeah, I will be there. Sure. I am going to be there. I'll get, uh, get in on Sunday, get to see some friends. Uh, hopefully get to uh, eat uh, an excellent New Orleans meal and then uh, be there on the game for the game on Monday and then fly out way too early on Tuesday morning. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, You only get to come in for one day because you know what, as you well remember, what is there about a thousand great places to eat? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I just go, here's my rule of thumb when I'm in New Orleans, I just go to a restaurant that Alvin Gentry told me is good and it always works out well for me. So that, that's, that's my move. definitely true. God, he loves these. You're absolutely right about that. You know, yeah, I've got two takes on the game. If Anthony Davis plays, I also expect the Pelicans will fold, and I think the Thunder will win big. But if he does play, I think it may serve as sort of an inspiration. Um, Brett, I'm not sure if you watched any of that last game um, Friday night against the Denver Nuggets, but for the most part, they were pitiful in terms of effort, energy, execution, you name it. Uh, Alvin Gentry lit into them you know, in just a couple of minutes um, in the post game, So you got to expect that the team's going to want to bounce back from that effort. So like I said, if AD plays, I think they will bounce back and they may pull that upset win. But otherwise, if he's sitting down, I expect the Thunder are going to roll over them. All right. Nice take, Ali. I'm your host, Preston Ellis. Again, this is at B. Dawson Wrights, the writer for the Oklahoma, formerly of The Advocate. And of course, uh, thank you to our oft-forgotten editor, Ali Cosell. Uh, Ali, Thank you so much for your time. Any parting shots before we wrap this up? Not really, man. That loss last night really got under a lot of people's skin, including my own. Uh, you just don't expect a team that started so well energy-wise, effort-wise, and the wins didn't come early, but then they start winning those close games to suddenly kind of fall off the, the you know, the table, so to speak. So, you know, it's, it's hard to put a finger. Uh, we're 15 games in. hard to put a finger where exactly this team stands. Are they going to fold back even further now? Um, is this a sign of things to come that we just beat up on a couple of easy teams, or are they going to somehow get back on track? So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say or what to write about them at the moment. Yeah, it's it's hard, Brad, because a lot of national media types are talking about Demarcus Cousins as a possible MVP candidate. But I just can't help but you know watch some of these games. Uh, two out of the past three, where the Pelicans went on their greatest runs with Demarcus out of the lineup. Now, with that being said, a lot of the games this year, he's he's simply put the Pelicans on his back. And of course, I'm not taking any credit away from him. It's just it's just figuring it out, just as the Thunder are doing, trying to trying to discover how we're going to make this work and make this team like function at the best of their ability. Uh, Brett. Thank you so much for your time, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, late on this Saturday night, we're recording this. Uh, and look forward to hopefully having you bump into some of our guys down in New Orleans on Monday. Tell them to look me up. I'll be there. All right. I'm your host, Preston Ellis. Thank you for your support. Be sure to share, and retweet, and join us Tuesday morning with our Thunder recap and our Spurs preview with J.R. Wilco, the editor of Pounding the Rock. Uh, for now, Ollie, Brett, I'm Preston. Let's go, pals.
Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Bird Rights NBA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Bird Rights for all the best coverage on the Pels. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes by searching The Bird Rights. Your support has gotten us up to 45,000 downloads thus far, a spot on Nothing But Net Radio here on the Dash, and a feature on the front page of Blog Talk Radio. Now, we'll be with you guys all season, keeping you up to date on all the latest news on your favorite team. Let's go, pals! Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, When an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Geico presents, yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.